2: The Coaches Network, bringing the game together.
3: You should have a fear factor. You should be driven to fight for your livelihood and your contract. And that hunger and desire and that competing element makes you better.
2: The Coaches Network, bringing the game together.
4: You're now listening to the Coaches Network, a podcast aiming to bring people at the heart of coach and player development together. My name is Coach Yas, a UEFA A license, FA Advanced Youth Award, and FA Goalkeeper B license coach, with over 10 years of experience working in youth football from grassroots right through to Premier League academies. I'm currently operating as an affiliate tutor for the FA, alongside working towards a Masters in Performance Football Coaching. Today, I'm going to be joined by my co-host and the Coaches Network. Analysis Specialist, Coach Ben. Ben is a UEFA A Licensed Coach who holds the FA Youth Award and a Masters in Sports Coaching, with 10 years of experience including working across the male and female youth development pathways, alongside a vast experience on individual, player and team performance analysis. And as part of our Insight Series, we'll be joined by a range of individuals working across multiple disciplines within the coaching world, in order to explore their journeys and dig deeper into their experiences so that we can leave you with some golden nuggets to help you reach your full potential. Right, guys, welcome back to the Coaches Network. I'm Coach Yas, and today I've got a very special guest with me. I've got a former professional footballer and currently working at loans as a loans manager in the professional development phase at Leicester City. I've got Guy Branston. Good morning, Guy. How are you, mate?
3: Yeah, good morning. Thanks for having
4: me on. Thanks for being with us. Look, Guy, I'm not going to waste any time. I want to get straight into the heart of it. Um, currently working as a loans manager at Leicester City, but... Obviously, your career started off as a player. Why don't you take us back to that journey and let us know where that all started and hopefully we'll get back to today. Well, we'll be here quite a while because I had a, a,
3: a long career as a, a, a bit of a loans man myself. I started at Leicester as a kid, came through the academy, uh, was offered um, schoolboys and uh, now, now scholarship, but obviously back then it was an apprenticeship. A very different, uh, I suppose, format to the way it is set up now, but... I did this the apprenticeship on twenty quid, thirty quid a a week and uh became a professional um at Leicester. Uh, as I became a professional, I was loaned out very quickly to Rushton Diamonds, um, come back into the building, did very well there. Then I was loaned out to Colchester United. Uh we ended up getting promoted the season I got there. Um I got to meet some fantastic people going out on loan. Got a real taste for it. Went straight out again the following season to Colchester. Got injured, went back to Rushton, um, went to Plymouth, Lincoln, and then eventually ended up signing for uh, Rotherham United after being mm. out on loan there as well. Mm. So I signed there and uh, did. We had a fantastic two years straight away. Um, double promotion from the league, I'd say. Three then, yeah, yes yeah, so a division three, all the way up to the championship, um, back to back promotions. Uh, end up playing in the championship, um, against Man City, uh, you know, people like that were in the championship then, Sheffield Wednesday. Unbelievable um teams and size of squads that you're playing against and, and so many different infrastructures in regards to the tiny little club we played for, but the the size of the club of say Portsmouth, Harry Redknapp's group that went up that season and You know, fantastic teams and Mm. just a great journey for the next couple of years. And then uh, I stayed there for five years. I was in and out of the side when they were in the championship. We had some real good centre-halves in front of me. Um, And I started going out alone again, went to Wickham Wanderers, uh, Peterborough United. um, And then I ended up signing for Sheffield Wednesday um, after being released from a contract at Rotherham and signed a, a two-year deal there. And, and that broke down pretty quick with Paul Stewart coming in after Chris Turner, the manager, uh, left pretty sharpish. And I ended up going um, to sign for Oldham in the, in the February of that, that season. Mm. Had a, a, a good couple of years there, um, 18 months there, should I should say. Um, signed a good contract with Peterborough United uh, to move back down south after being up north in Manchester. Uh, and and had a good Year there and and ended up when Keith Alexander got the sack, who, who um, got the sack pretty sharpish after a new takeover. Uh, Darren Ferguson came in and, and said, "Look, you know we're going to go young, we're going to go hungry, uh, non-league lads. Um, you know I want to change direction." And he was great. We spoke. Um, I signed for Rochdale, Northampton, um, and then I fought, fell into a football league ruling where I'd had too many clubs in one season, yeah. so I had to drop into the non-league. I didn't have to play non-league, but I wanted to continue playing football and it was still only February. So I took the 14, 15 weeks left of my contract from Peterborough and signed for Kettering and played non-league football. And uh, we got promoted that season um, to the conference. And I stayed another year because I really enjoyed it. Stayed another year with Kettering, uh, played for them, uh, and then got back in the football league with Burton Albion. Uh, Burton Albion... Sorry, buddy.
4: No, I was just going to say, you know, it's, it's a whole host of clubs, and there was a few more to add to that list. I was curious, and obviously, it kind of, does it almost make you the perfect person for a loans manager role? <laughs> really understanding. You know, there isn't
3: much I haven't I haven't covered as a loans manager, um, yeah. And and there isn't much I haven't covered as a, as an ex-player who has been around the loan system, yeah. So you know, and I've I've done a lot of deals myself. I've been an agent, you know. I've been I've been in recruitment. I've been head of recruitment in various roles as well. You know, I, I go and watch the lads, I analyze the lads. You know, I can watch them from a coach. I can watch them from a recruit, or I can watch them from a, a you know, a, a manager, football manager. I, I've done a host of jobs now that's, that's given me a great understanding of of this department as well, mm. and what what I would want as a manager. I try and put myself in the shoes for the my own role now, is to say, look. I would want this as a manager to see this information. Yeah. And obviously, Brendan Rodgers, the manager at Leicester City, wants it in a different format and I present it in a different format. And there's all these different things, but we're, I'm not a million miles away from what Brendan wants, which is great, you know. So, it's great understanding for me.
4: Definitely. You know, just talking to that, yeah, you know, there's a few things that you touched on. That, I, thought, yeah, I think quite interesting points. First of all, you know, that element of constantly going on loan. I mean, how does that affect one psychologically? You know, it's almost that that insecurity of, am I still going to be at this club next year? What, you know, constantly having to fight, if that makes sense.
3: I think, I think as a, I think that the difficulty of of football is that people don't understand that it should be a constant threat. You Mm. should have a fear factor. You should be driven to fight for your livelihood and your contract. And, that hunger and desire and that competing element makes you better. So I don't, I didn't see it as a negative. I seen it as a positive. I didn't see the threat, you know, didn't get me down too much. I seen it as a drive, a, a force of uh, momentum, a force of motivation. Mm. So I don't, I don't look at it as a, as you know, Oh no, I you know, I can't get out of bed. I'm, I'm, I'm overly worried about it. You know, it was, well, I've got to get out of bed. I've got to train hard. I've got to work hard. I've got to compete. I've got to stand on the line with the next man and, and, and beat him today. Mm. And regardless of teammate or, or you know, next lone player I was facing or next club I'd just gone to the following week, I've got to go in there and give my, my best and give who I am in that dressing room. And that's a di- I think that's a big big difference about not just me personally, but understanding these young lads, trying to make them compete every day. From going from 18 football that's you know hopefully about development to the next stage of being a football man and being a person within the industry because the twenty-five year old's gonna compete with you for his shirt because he's gotta pay his mortgage, but you might not have to pay your mortgage because you're a multi million pound young footballer. But if you don't have that competitive edge, you know, that twenty-five year old's gonna run all over you.
4: Definitely. You know, you talk there. You know, you, uh, you got up to talk about there and there is a few other clubs beyond that. But you, in a roundabout where you ended up back at Plymouth, where you had one of your previous clubs. How did where, what was what was that like going back to Plymouth at, at the end of that career? You know, deciding that you wanted to end your career, I guess, um, playing wise. What were the decisions that you started to think about then? You know, why is it that you've gone down this loan route, and I guess the recruitment and more the scouting aspect of things, as opposed to potentially a coaching? Is that something that's ever considered your? Well, I've always
3: done coaching. I, I did coaching in tw- two thousand and eight when I actually went non-league. Um, started looking at the environment I was in, seeing that I didn't want to stay in this environment for too long, mm. but might have to might have to stay in this environment if my career was going down the the hill, you know, very fast because of the football league ruling I fell into and, and the UEFA ruling. It meant that I couldn't sign for another club till the end of the season. So, as much as I was getting money in it gave me a great opportunity to start looking at other things. Yeah. And, you know, I set up an online recruitment business. I had a, an idea for an online recruitment business, which I was, you know, already starting to plan in my mind. I started looking at, at ways and means of, of earning money if I was just play part-time football. And I always, always wanted to be a football coach. You know, I've always wanted to be a football manager. I've never, never moved away from that feeling. You know, even with this loans manager role, it's you know it's still looking into the management side of it and the management of players. You know that's predominantly why I wanted this role to learn to manage young footballers and young professionals and and you know hopefully deal with millionaire footballers and have that on my CV. Mm-hmm. So this was always going to be my route because I wanted to manage people. But it, yeah, it, it took a, a swerve and it just hasn't took the stereotypical you know, let's let's just do coaching. I'd also started in two thousand and eight with Leicester City doing my B licence. Right. So it was I was living in Leicester, I was playing for catching and I was doing the B B licence and the talent that they had in the in the pot of who I was dealing with on the day was ridiculous. So you're talking Harvey Barnes who's now in the first team at Leicester City, you're talking Hamza where you're talking Keem Dewsbury-Hall, who's now obviously in and around the first team. Josh Knight played for Peterborough last season. Josh Sheppier, who played for Belgium under-21s and in and around the first team. DJ won the World Cup with England under-20s. You know, that was my 6 aside, seven-asides team. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I thought coaching was easier. You know, I'm looking at them going, I keep winning every week and I'm doing this and I'm doing that and they're just buying
4: into it and they're loving it. I mean, like, they- so, what, What you know, what, would you mind just talking to that? Because that can, that can be quite... Um disillusioning at times, could it not? It, you almost you're in a false sense of you're doing a great job, but actually sometimes you just got great players in front of you. Does that does that ever present a challenge for you then to then look at yeah, your of course it is. To how you're gonna maybe further develop yourself?
3: Yeah, so I dropped I dropped different ages. I went and did um I went over to America um when I coached out in America with different sorts of kids, kids who couldn't even kick the ball. You know, I, I wanna learn different styles um, went into schools and did after school clubs um, not just working with Leicester I was still working with Leicester and still doing my coaching badges but I wanted to be challenged as well you know I wanted to be challenged on and off the pitch I, I've I've got that mentality anyway Yeah, you know I've got that mentality of learning and, and growing and, and you know trying to be the best I can and, and constantly trying to push myself into different situations and uncomfortable situations I think that's a big thing like you just said there you know it's it can be disillusioned yeah it was it was you know, it, it looked easy. It isn't easy. Mm. You know, planning and preparing and putting on a session the lads buy into, then being challenged by the lads because certain lads think it's this and certain lads want this and certain lads want that. And then, you know, it's probably more difficult with kids than it is with, with pros because, you know, pros want a certain structure towards a winning a football match. You know, that's the format. That's your, you, it's a manager's format. You know, and the players buy into it or they don't buy into it. And, and usually if they don't buy into it, you don't win football matches because they don't buy into your ideas. All your ideas are, are, are rubbish and you, your players tell you that. So there's loads <laughs> of different ways of looking at
4: it. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, just just within that thing, so you talk there about, you know, trying to expand on your experiences, maybe going out to America, doing after-school clubs and things like that. Having been an ex-pro and now stepping into that environment, what were some of the major, th- you know, I, I could only assume that there was probably some, Eye-opening moments for you in the, in those in those times. Was there anything that stood out for you? To think, well, what, you know, what, I really didn't. I, I, re- I didn't expect this, or I wasn't prepared for this aspect of things. If that makes sense.
3: Yeah the the knowledge of the knowledge of people. Um, I was blown away by the Leicester lot who were working there at the time. Uh, Paul is, who whose big influence on my coaching career um Bill Wall who's head of recruitment who's still head of recruitment Paul Portney still there now you know I worked with a young guy who just retired um a real young guy called Matt Goodwin who's um lead lead coach now still at Leicester so the pillars the pillars I call them are still at Leicester from when I was there in 2008
2: mm-hmm.
3: um so to see them guys and how they coached was totally different to the environment I was in Mm. Um, it was very much a instructing mentality, you listen this is how it's done to a, a guided and discovery mentality at Leicester, you know yeah. let the kids find out, let the kids work it all out let the kids get their heads around it it's, you put it. You put the session on and then they find their way through it um, and you can dub in there a little bit and you know change their foot pattern and tell them to move their body better and things like that but it wasn't a an instruction it was more of a, a discussion yeah uh, a teaching element um, which which I, I was which I was blown away with at the time, so I imp- m- implemented them into a lot of my sessions but sure. i also I also wanted to make sure that the lads knew what I wanted because again it was it was an element of win or lose where I was working, so I had to make sure that you know winning mentality was still about my Instruction and winning mentality was still about my coaching, you know. And ba- I based most of my coaching on winning games, winning, you know, even weeks. You know, just anything you did in the session, anything you did with regards to the lads being around you, you wanted a winning element, you know, and, and make the lads compete. And that's where I think that when I had that around me as a player, I worked hard and I I, I trained better. Brilliant,
4: and I think just kind of kind of take on. Your current role now, then. So, how did that come about, and would you mind just maybe going into a bit of detail around? Well, I come did... back. I come
3: back to Leicester. Um, I'd been since since finishing, since like you said, going working for Plymouth. I'd been doing the scouting with Plymouth. I'd all working with the the scouting element for a long period of time. So I'd come back to Leicester in 2017 after being uh, sacked at Chesterfield as the manager, interim manager. I was head of recruitment and development and then they asked me to be the manager. And then Leicester literally, within a couple of weeks of me being sacked, I got in contact with them just to catch up with Paul China, who, like I said, had a big influence on my coaching. And uh, he contacted me, in regards to all the best for the manager's role at Chesterfield. I got back in contact with him and said, look, if there's any more coaching going at Leicester City, I'd, I'd jump at the chance. Uh, and, and within a week or so, he was back in touch, come down on a Thursday, come and have a look around. It's changed a lot, but see what you think. And I couldn't wait for the opportunity to be back. And, and I took the 16's job, Leicester City, as the assistant working with again, Matt Goodwin, who changed a lot and become you know ultra... Ultra coach and ultra professional, and and we worked really well together. You know, there was um, conflict, but there was still very much a professional respect for him, and a, and, a, and I think he had a professional respect for me. And I started doing all the age groups again. I started working with the 12s, so I'd gone from professional football management to working with the twelves, to working with the fourteens, to working with the sixteen. Every hour they could give me, I took as a as a part time coach. And then um, they see my recruitment background, they see my skill sets. That I had in helping some of the lads who had been released and some of the lads who, who had um, had the opportunity of, of coming into the building on trial through through my contacts. And they were really impressed. Um, and they said, look, you know, you brought a few players in. We've been really impressed. We want to sign them, but financial restraints we couldn't. Uh, we ended up signing one of the players that I recommended from Chesterfield. Um, we went ahead and signed him and he made his debut at 16. So, you know, massive plus for me. And then they said, look, you know, you, you've got this skill set, you've got that skill set. Do you want to come off the grass? And then, you know, rarely go back on the grass with some of the 23s, because I was coaching the 23s as well. Um, you know, go on and off the grass from time to time and work with the lads more off the grass and coach them and mentor them.
4: Hmm. It's just and, like, in, in in doing that, was that, was that something that you resistant to initially that was coaching something that you kind of said, you know, I really enjoy the coaching aspect and maybe stepping away from being on the grass is often it's something that you maybe didn't really want to do. And you might, you know, what was that like? No, because I personally I, I see myself as a
3: manager and, and a coach, right? I see myself as a manager, first manager of people, mm-hmm. um, a coach of people, you know? So yes, as much as I, I wanted to, to, stay on the grass and be by the, the touchline, I, I was having more, I would say I was having more effect uh, with the lads, you know, around the build-up, around the preparation, you know, organising, preparing, the reflection and end of it. And I was having more buy-in from the lads as the game was going on because of the stuff I was doing before that. You know the build-up, the preparation, the, the the organization, the meetings, the you know the through the week because we have them a lot at, at Leicester,
4: yeah.
3: um, and and there's a lot of time with them. You know, I'd spend a lot of time building rapport, understanding who they were. You know, just just being a lad, really, just genuinely interested in them. My skill set is going into a million different dressing rooms and, and feeling, trying to make myself feel comfortable by building friendship groups and by building, you know. A team, or by building a a network of people within that club, Mm. and and I've always done that. So it wasn't any different. If it was a a group of twelve-year-olds, I've got to deal with a group of twelve-year-olds, but get them to trust me, and get them to work with me, and get them to want to buy into what I'm telling them because of my background.
4: So just Um, on that, then, what would say? What would you say? Some of the things that you maybe proactively do to kind of build that trust and that rapport, and I guess manage that situation. I would. I think building is you know always always being
3: positive enthusiastic yeah. um understanding the group you're with pretty sharpish working out the characters who the characters are you know within the group, you know targeting certain staff to build rapport and understanding you know where you might fit straight away within that meeting within that team meeting within that group. Yeah. Um, you can't just go in there, brash as anything and start, you know, babbling on to these kids because these kids go and, you know, who's this jack-in-the-box? You know, you, it, but it might need that. It might need that burst of energy for, to, for certain meetings or certain environments. So just really, you know, taking my time. I had the time, which was good. I had the time to reflect from my previous experiences. I've got the experience from lots of previous experiences. And, you know, I picked out nuggets from my past and brought them forward into you know the the I suppose the area and the environment I was in, and okay. just used them to you know develop the lads and develop them listening to me and you know and and I, I think you you get a, an element of respect from the kids if you are honest and upfront, yeah. But not imposing. So I think I'm um, listen. I'm six foot one big stocky kid with big bold head. You know, I can be imposing. I've got a face like I've been chewing a wasp. <laughs> so I do have to, I do have to probably put a, a different act on. Right. I've got kids myself. You know, I, I have to take a step back with the kids that aren't mine as well. Probably double step back, you know, cause they're not my kids. So you've got to, you've got to teach them as, I think you've got to teach them and treat them as little footballers. But they're, they're kids. They want to have fun. They want to enjoy coming into training. They want to. They want people to have a smile on their faces. They want the staff to be pleasant and nice to them. They don't want to come from school and it be like school. You know, they want to come from school and yeah, it be like...
4: they want like... to go to a new environment where they're going to basically enjoy themselves and have a bit of creative freedom,
3: would not it? Exactly. You know, for the first 15, 20 minutes to come, let them play, get on the ball, move about. You know, time restraints aren't that important. They're here anyway. You know, let them rock up. But like, mm. give them 15 minutes just to get the crap out of their minds of, of you know, science. And, and when I say crap, you know, the, the stuff that they've, they've been churning over their heads and get the stuff and just go and play and be free and relax. And and that's uh, something that took me a long time to get my head around because I was so used to like time restraints, you know, respect, uh, elements of, of working life rather than, you know, child football.
4: And I think just that, you know, within that, then having that having that experience of obviously being in the in your own career, having been out on loans to many different clubs, would you say that's had a maybe a massive benefit to you now in this particular role? And I guess in building those relationships and creating, yeah, that? The, the
3: the working with the twelve and fourteens and the sixteens gave me a great eye opener to the difficulties that that can manifest with these kids you know, the pressure they are under the the, 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 the amount of work that it takes to be a footballer. You know, it, it, I was, I was very lucky. I was physically very good um as a player. I was mentally very strong from the, the ups and downs I had in my life. And I, I was able to just, you know, blank people out when they're on me too much and, you know, take people's nuggets of information and work. It worked for me. So, they're the kind of things I try and implement into the the problems or the, the, the I don't call them negatives, like, you know, bumps in the road or mm. things that, things that happen within the lad's career. You know, there's loads of, loads of opportunities for these lads to come back and buy a football club in the arse if it's not working out for them. So don't, you know, don't take one, one problem or one, you know, so-called negative and, and, Hold it too long within your head. You know, it's it's gone now. Look, move on. You know, it's like another football match next week. Anyway, you can just change it. It's a great situation to be a footballer because you've you got another opportunity to right a right wrong from last week and put it right the next week. And you can do that within the training session. And you can do that within the, the first session. If you had a bad first session, you can put it right in the second session. And these are the little things I used to try and like teach the kids. Like, you don't need to be under pressure here. This isn't a place where you should feel under pressure.
4: Definitely. You
3: know, this is the place where you should go out and enjoy yourself. And and even if I'm saying to you, look, get this right, get that, I'm going to pull you straight after. And I'm going to say, look, you know, that's, that's me. I mean, this is how I am as a coach, you know, and let's work together with that. But you know I've got your back. You know I'm there for you. You know I'm there for you as a loan manager or a coach or a manager. Mm. You know, inevitably, I can have my little shouting match on my own. You don't have to listen to me, but you know, I'm going to pull you afterwards and go, listen, I'm making a point there because of this. I'm making a point there because of that. And, you know, I, I hope you listen to me because I'm trying to make you better, simple as that. Definitely. I'm trying to make you a better person, a better man, a better kid, a better player. And then we're all progressing then.
4: Yeah. No, what you know, what I'm hearing is it's quite, it's not too dissimilar to the way, the way I approach it in that the players need to understand that you're there for their best interest even if there's things that that's going to put them in uncomfortable situations at times or things that they don't particularly like it's you're doing it with a good intention um, the end goal is to try and help them develop in, what, in in whichever way that may be just you know I want to take you back a few minutes that you talked there about um, you know trying to pick up some golden nuggets within your own journey and I'm just curious as to know whether you've had any or if there's been any particular situations or individuals in particular where they've been a major influence in you and maybe what the biggest golden nugget is that you've taken away from those situations?
3: Um, I, as a kid, we used to have a real negative coach at the football club um, called Kevin MacDonald. Uh, worked in and around football uh, for many years and I really struggled with him as a, as a player, as a kid. Um, you know, hate hated going in to Leicester, you know, Killed my confidence, killed my um, bubbliness mentality, and I had a I had a, a stepdad similar, you know, killed my confidence, killed my mentality, killed you know, mm. made me feel very negative about my my ability. But as I got older, uh, it was quite funny actually. As I got older, I didn't give a care what they they said. You know, I didn't care because. I had this like shining, shining light in my head that you know what, what they're telling me. I'm going to take all that that negativity and and, and just take it off them by being being better than them. What they're thinking by improving.
4: Where, where did that by... shift of the mindset come from, though? Um, and how, how how did that come about? Because obviously, if, if those are the influences that you've got there, was it something that you'd seen? Was it you know what was that? What was that? I just,
3: moment? No,
4: I... I I've
3: seen, a, I seen a, a negative stance from them being constantly negative towards me as a player, even as a kid. And I went and worked at it. I went and took myself away, pumped balls against the wall, went after training and trained again, got fitter, got stronger, worked harder off the pitch than, than most kids did. You know, physically I was good but I were not I were not professionally good I was a baby you know physically I was already set with my dna but there was so much more I could give myself by being fitter by being stronger and I struggled I struggled you know mentally with a lot of the the running and and the the, the incredibly hard work it was to do these sessions because they were mental some of them <laughs> that were back then they were mental you know run for 10 miles and then run again Sprint here, sprint there, sprint here, sprint there all day, all day sprinting. You know, some of the stuff we used to do was nuts. And I look back and go, how did I get through that? Mm. How, how did I do that? And, and, and like you said, where was the shift? The shift was probably hearing my own voice inside and trusting myself, you know, waking up to who I was as a person, not who they were telling me I was. Yeah. And I think that comes from, you know, being you, being your DNA, obviously your set, and I was, I was just, I was just resilient. You know, I was lucky enough to have.
0: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat. Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket. Outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify?
3: A resilience about me that just kept going and even if this was going wrong I'm like, I'll work through it, I'll get through it and th- them them sorts of negative people kind of drive, drive me to go forward all the time because I looked at them and went you know, you can't get me mm. at the time, at the time when I was 14 I didn't see it like that but when I got older I was like you know you, you just can't break me, you, you can try and it helped me in so many, so many opportunities, and helped me in so many ways. Going through my career with silly managers who, you know, make you train on your own, or, or try and treat you like, you know, and try and treat you badly. And, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't break me down. They couldn't, they couldn't break me down. They couldn't work out how to break me down. They tried all sorts of things,
4: so, and they so. couldn't break me down. Just on that, then, you know, what was it that you, I guess. How are you managing that for yourself emotionally and mentally in the sense that that would help you keep yourself motivated and driven and almost be able to deflect any of this negativity consistently? Because I can only imagine that in a situation like that for many people, that consistent negative or that that consistent, um, you know, that that element of people are getting at you they're mistreating you or they they're treating you badly or
3: yeah let's just yeah let's just
4: be careful of saying
3: mistreated or, yeah. or you know I don't I wasn't being mistreated yeah well
4: you know I'm, treated, a, I'm at a football club made you, right maybe feel treated unfairly potentially
3: hmm. I don't even know if we can use them words if I'm honest
4: sure
3: i just in regards to the way i look at it now okay so i was at a football club and that coach there was making a genuine it's weird to say, but he was making a genuine reason for isolating me in a training session. Mm. And his genuine reason was the way he was taught was the way you make these players better. That was the way he was taught how to manage kids and this, that, and well, that that was back in the day, you know, this is how it was then. Okay. So he used to look at me and go, you got all this physicality, here. you got all this, this sheer bruteness or whatever you want to call it at the time. But you gotta get better feet. And he didn't know any other way to make a player better than the way he was acting at that time. Mm. And it killed more kids than it produced, trust me. It 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 ruined more kids than it and it made players. But as much as it you're asking me as an influence, it was an influence on my mentality. It was an influence on my ability. Mm. You know? And and a lesser resilient person would have failed, would have would have not been able to cope. I could. So, going back to the original question, you're looking at a, a mentality of, of oh, I suppose mistreating. I wasn't. I wasn't mistreated. I was. I was coached in a way. He was. He was probably brought up in. Thinking that that's how what he wants to implement, and they're the best ways to produce top players. Sure. So, I personally don't think that is the way to coach players
4: in a grand scheme of things.
3: <clears throat> so then, but like, that's but that, again,
4: that's my opinion. But... So, just to, talking about that, then, would you mind just going into a bit of detail around what you would describe as maybe the fundamentals of your own coaching philosophy? It
3: depends what age group you're dealing with. Um, for me, I would coach players in a in a safe environment. Always, I think a a, a safe working environment because I want to work with professionals, and I would have a, an understanding with these guys that they feel wanted and also understood as individuals. Mm. I'd base my coaching and coaching philosophy around the players to give them an understanding that they have a lot to say within their wants and needs within the environment they're in Mm. and I would also understand that you know I've got to step in there as the leader and as the manager to guide these players who are less experienced in the way where we all want to go because I'll be able to pick pieces from all their ideas and put it together and never let you can have a plan. but I, I love the Mike, the Mike Tyson saying of, you know, you walk in a, in a boxing ring and you have a plan until someone punches you in the face. You know, there's so many different aspects of coaching that can go wrong. And there's so many different aspects of coaching that can go right. To go and nail down a philosopher within a professional environment is very difficult because there's so many different things that can go right and wrong against you mm. at any given time. My ideas of styles of play are a comfortable style of play, but be effective with it. Go and play football, but be effective with it. You know, turnover of the ball in certain areas, in certain times of the game is very important. But make sure that, you know, you're doing it for the right reasons. And inevitably, it's about scoring goals. Go and create chances. Go and get shots off at the goal. Go and make sure that the lads know that. You set pieces. Use people's uh, skill sets within the building to make sure that you're then creating opportunities from the skill sets that you've got. You know, unfortunately, like I said, if you're walking into an environment where you've got a bunch of players that maybe can't play out the back, there's going to be a time and a period of time when that's going to implement a, a slow process to get that philosophy across. You know, inevitably... You can't always do that. So you've got to make change and, and, and again, be versatile and, and have that vulnerability about your to be aware of that very quickly. Definitely. You know, you can't sit there and say to them, you know, and expect them to do things that these kids don't want to do, these players don't want to do. And it's, again, learning from the players that you have in the building. I've had player play meeting after player meeting after player meeting. I can't remember many managers asking me my opinion when they walked in the door of what I'm about as a player. And I would have bought into a lot more managers if they did that to me. You know, I always got told what what the manager tells me what he was going to do at this football club. I don't see how a manager can tell me what he's going to do at a football club when there's 30 members of staff or 30 players in the building that might not like this bloke as soon as he walks in. You know? Mm. And the modern coaches... The modern, better coaches out there understand who's in the building before they start dictating.
4: Just, just on that, then you know, you talk there about some of the, I guess, almost that doing that pre-assessment before making any decisions. Um, and within that, there's probably been, you know, within your both playing and career, and obviously now working at, working at within the Triple academies, and you probably observed many coaches work and. I'm just interested to know, maybe what were some of your, we would you see what some of your pet hates are when it comes to coaching in terms of you know, the consistent behaviours that you see and you think, do you know what I really that really grates me, or you know I really don't agree with that. Do you, do you ever have any of those moments there?
3: Yeah, again, a lot of the, as much as you've got to do it for the E triple P and, and the planning and reflection and things like that, there's a lot of, there's a lot of actual good quality paperwork going on. But it looks very different for when the lads turn up from their different environments they've been in. So we'd sit and plan and prepare and get organised within a session that we try and implement into it. And, you know, some days the kids just wouldn't buy into it. Uh, So I think that as much as we want to plan, prepare, reflect, have all these, these newfangled ideas, you know, follow the wave of the next great coach or the next bloke you know making out like he's doing this and the, the next country's ideas implemented into our system i think we've got to be true to who we are as well and that's what i'm saying about understanding who you've got in the building first so as much as academies want to change with the times i think i think you've also got to have an identity of who you are as an as an academy and stick to it Mm. and be around it, and, and, and change slowly towards different things as you go along. But, you know, I, I think that we can be too quick to change our ideas because of someone coming up with a new idea and, and, and um, you know, getting a bit carried away with a new country's ideas and, you know, things like that. Yeah. So that, they're, they're my pet aches, you know. It, not a lot of people are confident in themselves to stick with their own ideas.
4: Yeah. Mm. So then, you know, just kind of just to build on that, you know, it, you know, I, I agree with you. I think there's, you know, there's a lot of new trends and concepts that come out, and people just kind of jump on the bandwagon without maybe um, potentially doing enough research into these new ideas and ways of working or these different ways of working, um, and not staying consistent and having that longevity of the work that they really believe in. If that makes sense, um, yeah. Even even with that, you've got to be very, very, again
3: very careful of, of one experience for 15 years is still only one experience
2: mm-hmm,
3: okay. and I don't see where then these people who have had that one experience for 15 years can then challenge the people who have had six or seven experiences within them 15 years mm. you know you you've got to be very careful of of you know I would say the the people that, that have these experiences, you've got to respect their ideas as well. And and don't get me wrong, you know, change is great. You know, I look at my career, constantly changing, but there's also an element where you've got to stay put for a bit and just keep learning. And if you're in that environment, it's fantastic. Look and, and, and me now I'm I'm in no rush to leave Leicester City. I'm learning every day. I'm you know, picking up nuggets of information every day from the pillars in the community, the pillars of the football club. But, like, the pillars at the football club are constantly learning and constantly growing and constantly, like, striving for new information. Yeah. And yes, yes, they're following and looking at new trends, but they're not particularly taking every little bit from it and changing as soon as the new wave comes in. Yeah. And I think a lot of these young coaches, young, young coaches, you know, 22, 23, 24s, a, a reading from the the, the so called pet books and the reading from the, the the newfound college courses and the reading and they think the game's that slow, yeah. But the the better coaches, the better people like the Brendans and the and the Peps and all these different so called managers and coaches, their minds are working at an unbelievable pace, and they, it's not about. The, the the little bits it's it's about being able to produce that information at that pace and then coming out with the right decisions and that's where I think that you know we can get a bit over I would say over exuberant about one trend mm. when there's loads of them and yeah go and look at them but you know take little bits of little bits and become yourself and try and be yourself. Rather I, than trying to be Pep and trying to be Brendan and trying to be
4: you know, all these different managers and all these different people, be yeah. yourself. No, definitely. and I, th- I totally agree. With that. I, mean, I say to coaches all the time, there's no point looking at the coach down the road and trying to be that coach. At the end of the day, that coach has done certain things with his players because of certain certain reasons, whether the, that be the needs of his players are different or whatever that might look like. You've got to you know, step away from the idea of I'm just going to take that session and go and do it with my players and hope, it, hope that it's going to work exactly as it did for that person there and it comes back to what you were saying a few moments ago a new manager comes in how can they start making decisions without assessing what's actually happening in the environment the people in the environment you've got like you said you might sometimes have a, a squad of 25 to 30 players you need to know who the characters are in the group before you start making decisions about what you want to do you can have an idea of where you want it to go however but ultimately is it going to work for the people in that environment in that given moment? So you know, it speaks earlier to when you mentioned about the philosophy aspect. You can have a philosophy, but there's so many intricacies and variables that you have to kind of be aware of that could affect the outcome of that philosophy in that in that in that given environment. So just to kind of build on that, then how would you how would you say that if someone? Who's going into this into this environment now going into coaching and maybe looking at some of the skill sets that they can offer so you touched on earlier that your your skill set for recruitment and scouting um and I guess talent identification was was recognized by the club. How important is it and if you don't mind just speaking to you, how important it is just to maybe identify what maybe you're strong at and really trying to maybe build your platform around that if that makes sense
3: yeah I think. <laughs> I think the difficulty in, in getting into, into the environment, football environment anyway, is ridiculously tough. You know, I, I I like to think I've worked incredibly hard, you know, to get where I'm at. You know, I've I've had to have the experiences. I've had to live in hotels on my own. I've had to do this, I've had to do that. You know, I've had to be put myself in uncomfortable situations by working and by grafting and by doing all the things I've done to keep a, you know the house over my head you know this isn't this wasn't given to me this is me doing this you know and, and that's where i think people have to understand that it, there's so many nights where like my head is wrapped because i'm i'm like thinking to myself when's he going when am i going to get a stroke of look here and even me, I'm, you know, people are going, oh, you, you know, you're working in the Premier League, you know, you're doing this, year. yeah, yeah. But like, the, there's been times where I'm like, am I going to get a break? Am I going to get a break where I actually just get to get where I want to get, get where I want to be? Mm. And there was times when I was like that, you know. The, the, don't get me wrong, but I think that that's where these these young coaches got to understand that this journey's long. It's a long process. It's a long journey. I started in 2008. And, I've, and it's took me a long time to get where I'm at. And I still want to get higher. Mm. You know? And so it's going to take me even longer. The process is long. So just take your time. Enjoy the process. Enjoy the journey. Work with enthusiasm, which is always a big positive for me.
4: Mm.
3: Work with with. Uh, I would say, an energy level of, you know, produce good quality, good driven uh, data or whatever you want to produce for the football club. But enjoy doing whatever it is you're given an opportunity to do. Uh, You know, if you want to work in football, expect some real horrible, ugly jobs to do. And that's, that's the best thing I can ever say to somebody, no, it ain't always going to be a good day in football. But when you get a good day in football, it's worth a hundred of the bad days. And I've been lucky enough to have some really, really unbelievable days and weeks and, and patches of football where I've just gone, Do you know what? I'm flying here. We've got and, and I've had patches like that since I've been the staff member. You know, since I've finished. Mm. So I know there's light at the end of the tunnel, you just gotta keep going. There's so many difficulties out there in life in general. You're in professional football. Just enjoy it.
4: Definitely. You know? Easy. You're a professional in
3: professional football and you're getting paid to coach. You're getting paid to work as as a coach. It's damn sight easier than digging the roads.
4: Mm. So, you know, just to kind of come back to your journey a little bit then, if you had to look back at your journey, what would you say are some of the biggest challenges that you faced in, you know, it might be something you're still dealing with now, and if if you have been able to deal with it, you know how did you go at dealing with that?
3: Um, I think one of the biggest things that I I question, I've always questioned it, is um, the difficulty. As much as people might see it who haven't played the game, um, the shift now between the negativity towards the ex-player. Um, with very typecasted, scripted comments about, you know, oh, you played, just talk about your playing experiences. Yeah, but I've also, you know, personally gone away and studied and, um, you know, done a lot of courses on mentoring and coaching and teaching and, you know, gone away and, you know, spent a lot of my own money on educating myself what I would implement into certain situations in business and finance and event management and, you know, trying to take nuggets of information from various different stuff that I've done to, to be a better person, to be a better human being. Mm. And st- I still see that there's a negativity, slight negativity towards the ex-player when he wants to become a coach or wants to become a mentor because they, people see it as like, you know, it's easy for you. Well, no, it's not easy for me. You know, I, I get I get ignored when I was an ex an ex-player looking for a job, I get ignored by the like the like the next man does, in regards to applying for a job and not getting replies. Mm. You know, I I get ignored, like everybody does. You know, I, I look at the so-called Premier League lads getting opportunities towards, toward before I did. You know, I have my own um, questions on why the process is is difficult to get a job after football. You know, why is it so difficult? Because, well, because, you know, there's all these different things happening within a football club. Now I've worked with football clubs, I understand processes. You know, can it be a better process for the the, the ex-footballer or, or the or the staff to get a job at a football club? Yeah, of course it can. But it's also, you know, there's a lot of people applying. <laughs> there's a lot of people have, uh, wanting these jobs because they are great jobs. So... You're joining a, a, an unbelievable amount of people all rushing to get this job, so your name's got to be good. It's got to be consistent. It's got to have a good degree. It's got to have a good uh, education background, and you've got people have got to understand who you are, you know, and and how you get yourself across on a piece of paper isn't always the best thing um, to get these jobs, and and unfortunately that's the process still. Mm. So the difficulty is there's there's still negativities around. Football and 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 you know management of of recruitment and and how it's looked at within an environment where I came from, and it and it's amazing when some of these so called non background coaches get in the game and and you know complain it's difficult. Well, yeah, it's it's difficult for us all, but you know it's it's an environment where you want to be, in, and it tastes better when you're successful in an environment that's difficult to get to because you've succeeded. So, you know, enjoy the experiences
4: as well. Definitely. As you always talk there about, you know, your experiences and your playing experience now as a coach and then moving into, I guess, this, this loans manager role. If you could turn back time now to the back end of your playing career or when you first start getting into coaching now and, you know, speak to Guy Branson of then, knowing what you know now, what would be one message you'd like to tell give yourself?
3: Um, I would say take take a bit more time on reflection. Take a bit more time on working out what it looks like to the kids, to the players, and make it more uh, player friendly, not coach friendly. You know, make it more based around the players. And I would I would have told myself that. I would have said, Do you know what? Don't worry too much about what your ideas are on it, but make more focus on the players' ideas and what they're going to take out of it. And that's probably what I've learned over the last five or six years, that you know, you're know you implementing and in putting processes in place to impress players and also guide players forward into making them better. And that takes a lot of detail and a lot of sitting down and working out what the session's going to be. And I I didn't do that when I first started. I thought I knew it. I thought I understood it. I thought I'd seen a thousand sessions, which I had. And I thought I'd seen I could just come up with a session that the kids will enjoy. And as I got into it more, working with better players, they need more. You know, that's the difficulty that, that... these coaches who want to be good coaches have got to understand you've got to be able to come up with ideas off an impulse or off a a split second or your session's going to be dead. Mm -hmm. And these are where the top coaches excel because of the environments they've come from from the past and the experiences they've got. They can just pull up a session and if it's dead... They've got to pull up another one with a similar theme, with a similar, with a similar um, intensity, with a similar drive for the next split second because someone or somebody or something has gone wrong in that session. They've got to change it. Got to change it. And it's the same as when the game times on, or they're playing on a Sunday and they're managing, or they're working on the Saturday and, and it's going wrong for them, or it's going right. You know, they've got to be able to split second change that environment. And, Like I said, my my own personal view would be: learn more about the players, get some ideas from them afterwards. So reflection, and take my time on digesting that and learning from that. And I I, I think I probably would have been even more of a better coach and a better understander of people. You know, six years on, seven years on.
4: Mm. You know, just now coming back to yourself a bit now in your current day. You said you, you know, you're enjoying your current role at Leicester, um, and you're always picking up the golden nuggets on a daily basis. But well, what's next for Guy Branson?
3: Um, I'm going to stay here for as long as I can. I see it as a, a football club that's embraced me, and I've embraced it, mm-hmm. and hopefully, build stronger relationships with the pillars, which, I, which I've got good relationships with the pillars at the football club. And keep doing this role at the minute, you know. I don't see me envisioning moving away too quickly. Uh, you know, I'd love to an opportunity of learning this role and then learning another role within the within the industry and within the football club. You know, the, the football club's fantastic and it's the club that I've been brought up with and know a lot about. And I think that you've got to have people like that within the place to push the... Philosophies and the, the the ideas of of what the DNA looks like and what the club wants on a daily basis, and I think that you know if I could become a a person of that stature at, at Leicester City Football Club, I'd be I'd be incredibly proud of my career.
4: Interesting. Mm. So as we start to wind down now, then if you had sixty seconds now to leave our listeners with one golden nugget and maybe take forward and potentially apply with them for their own journeys, what would that be?
3: I would I would bring it back to what I said earlier. The process of coaching is a long process. Some of these young lads and young ladies are coming into it at 21, 22, you know, be licensed. You know, it's a long process of learning. So enjoy that process. You know, if you don't want to enjoy that process, it's going to be very difficult to get where you want to get. So follow, follow something you really enjoy. Follow something that gets you up in the morning, you know. Follow something that that really drives you every day. Or do something different, you know. Don't look at this as an easy industry. Grow in this industry and, and, and understand there's going to be so many difficulties, but I think the difficulties get massively overshadowed by the successes if you become successful, if you hit your KPIs, if you hit all your your, your your, your positives and your negatives. I think that you'll have a great great career mm. if you do that.
4: Brilliant. And just on a final note then, when your career you know, when your coaching career or your you know your time and recruitment does come to an end, you know, what how would you want to be remembered by the people that you've worked with and for?
3: I think I think listen if people remember who you are, it's a positive anyway. You know, regardless of what they said about you, you know, I think if people really genuinely remember you and, and you know, you want to be remembered for, the, obviously, the, the the real good things you did for them. You know, I've forgotten a lot of negative people in my life, uh, but I've remembered a lot of the good ones. And I think the good ones bring you pleasure, bring you motivation, drive you forward. You know, and positive influences. You know, I don't want to be around negative people. So, you know, I find I find sources of energy. And I think if anyone can say that about me, I'll be very, again, very happy with that. And I think I'm a positive source. You know, I'm, I'm very honest and not open, and I like to build rapport with people anyway. Mm.
4: That's brilliant. Look, Guy, I just want to say thank you very much for your time today, and it's been a very insightful conversation certainly for me, and I'm sure it will be for our listeners. And just on a final note, you know, if any of the listeners wanted to get in touch with you or had any questions uh, off the back of this, is there any way they can, on maybe social media at all?
3: Yeah, it's, um, hit me up on Twitter, which is uh, Brano, B-R-A-N-O 1979. I'm on LinkedIn, as obviously Guy Brunston, Um and I'm more than welcome to ask any further questions regarding coaching and mentoring and the environment that you know hopefully you guys or girls will be going into and hopefully excelling in
4: well there you have it guys another edition of the coaches network insight series where we sit down with experienced individuals across the multiple disciplines within the coaching world hoping to explore their journeys and key insights in order to package away some golden nuggets that you can apply to help you reach your full potential I've no doubt that you've enjoyed today's episode as much as we have, but I just want to say thanks again for tuning in. The support is much appreciated please do get in touch with us and today's guests. Let us know where you're listening from to share your thoughts, views, and key takeaways from today's show, along with any suggestions you may have for guests or future topics on the show that you'd like to hear discussed. Ultimately, guys, the show is about yourselves. The content is for you, and we just want to continue to create that great content. On that note, get in touch with us on Instagram at The Coaches Network and on Twitter at The Coaches Net. And if you want to touch base with Coach Ben, he's available on Instagram and Twitter at FocusBXN. Lastly, guys, keep an eye on our socials for the latest updates and announcements for upcoming guests and discussion topics with the panel. And until next time, guys, take care.
2: The Coaches Network, bringing the game together.